So this week we ended up at the Cabrini Hospital having arms wired back into place and faces stitched up. I want to say thank you to the doctors and the nurses that helped us out at Cabrini. And I also want to say how amazing the nurses were in terms of keeping their demeanour regardless of what else was going on. Susan Harding is the ED Nurse Unit Manager at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. She joins you on the radio. Good morning to you, Susan. Morning, Libby. How are you? I'm better now after Mummy had a sedative. (laughs) Amazing. The nurses at your hospital, they're completely on the front line and life goes on, right? Uh, Life goes on. People fall off bikes, people break arms, people are sick, people need treatment, people have babies. How do your nurses cope with all of this? I think uh, we're always been about business as usual. We're we're used to having things thrown on us at the last minute, and obviously this is something we have time to plan for. But we certainly know that uh, we will still have people presenting to the emergency department that are non-COVID related, and we've got an obligation to continue to provide care for them. So, in your role, which is basically, is it nurse wellbeing? You're helping everyone keep their heads right. So I'm the nurse unit manager of the emergency department, but one of the big priorities for us is obviously around staff wellbeing because without the staff, we can't provide the care that we need to for everyone that is presenting. So how do you keep everybody's minds alert and focused on the job at hand rather than the threat that overhangs us all? Look, I think that one of the the major things we have got that is we have got that is on our side at the moment is the opportunity to really prepare. And I think one of the things we do really well at the Royal Melbourne is is work in a space of honesty and transparency. So we're we're talking openly about what we're expecting to come through the door. Uh, what before the shift planning. starts? Yeah, every day, every day we cannot communicate enough. We we're trying to. Um, plan for the worst and hope for the best and I think that we are in a space where the general numbers of emergency department presentations have certainly decreased over the last couple of months mm-hmm. uh, and that that's a good thing. Uh, one of the things that we don't want is people unnecessarily presenting to the emergency department. In saying that, we need to be really clear that people who have uh, chronic health conditions, it's important that they don't wait at home uh, until they are really unwell. We still want those people presenting. We are still open for service. Uh, the the challenge of people not presenting when they would normally present is that their length of stay, once they get to hospital, could be t- be potentially lengthened. Uh, and we don't and really want people we, want, we don't no. want people staying at hospital at the moment, do we? We need to free all no. the beds up. Absolutely, we want to get people in, be able to uh, provide them with management and treatment and get them home as safely and as quickly as we can. So take me through a day. I understand nurses work in shifts, but in terms of having the meeting, is it like a pre-match meeting with a football team whereby people get revved up or told what their positions are, what game they'll be playing, what the strategy is for the day? Absolutely. We call it our muster uh, and it happens at the start of every shift. Uh, we do a roll call just to make sure everybody is there and then we, we touch on some really important things. So obviously in the current climate, things are changing sometimes on an hourly basis. So giving people the most up-to-date information that we have. We certainly talk about the state of the department, talk about the state of the department, 
Uh, we talk about our plans moving forward uh, and the things that we're working on and, and really not coming to those musters with um, a, a, you know, a packaged deal. Um, we want people to be involved in the solution moving forward. We want people to be involved in the planning so that they You're feel engaged. You're empowering people. Absolutely. So, and we also want people to sit in a space where they're really confident and comfortable about asking questions that they're concerned about. We don't have all the answers, but we want people to be asking the questions because obviously you can imagine I have 300 staff that report to me. Mm. Um, I'm going in with what I think they want to know. Now, maybe I'm missing the mark and it's important for them to say to me, well, hang on, what about this? And it might be something that I haven't considered but they think that there's merit in knowing. So I think we have to be guided by them and, them, and it gives us a really good opportunity to do that. How frightened are nurses that they themselves are at risk? I think it's a very real fear. I think one of the things that we've always been very conscious of is that we have this amazing workforce across the organisation, but each one of those people belong to somebody outside of work. So whilst we're at work dealing for the general public, you know, it's really important that they get home safely to their families at the end of the day. And I think that that's, you know, the driving force behind anything that we're doing uh, around the planning is really about staff safety. And what about uh, retired nurses coming back to work with the crisis? I mean, I guess once a nurse, always a nurse, right? Absolutely. I think, you know, that it, it is a, a challenging space. We want people to come back to the workforce. Um, we need to take into consideration the age of those nurses and the well-being of those nurses because, that you know, there's been very clear instruction from the government about, you know, what people should do that fall into different age brackets and certainly, um, and certainly um, people retire for lots of different reasons and, and we would welcome a conversation to be had with anybody and it may be that they don't come and they actually work um, on the front line in the emergency department but across the organisation and we have to look at this from the front door to the back door. There is certainly a lot of things that those people could be doing and they have the expertise and the knowledge and a lot of them have a lot of corporate knowledge because a lot of them have worked for the organisation for a very long time that would be silly not to uh, embrace that and find something for them to do. So should we open up the phone lines? Because I reckon that around Victoria, people must have had fabulous experiences with nurses and just want to pay tribute to them this morning because they are on the front line. I mean, you know, it's the shop floor, isn't it, of the medical system of the hospital where you have a nurse actually making things happen. So why don't we do that? Why don't we open up the phone lines? one three hundred triple two seven seven four one three hundred triple two seven seven four have you had an experience with a nurse uh what has she said to you or he said to you that's put you at ease how it has actually changed your entire experience of going through the hospital system would love to find out and uh put those tributes to air because it's funny someone was saying to me last night we spend all this time marveling at uh artists and um, celebrities and film stars and musicians and blah blah you know and in these times suddenly we are celebrating our nurses and the people that stack the supermarket shelves and the police that help us out and I think that's the big shift that we're looking at in society is getting a sense of perspective about those people and those jobs that are truly truly valuable so let me give you the phone number again 
1-300-222-774. And I know that you, um, I know that you like a little bit of, I know that you like a little bit of dialing music. So why don't I play you this? Pay tribute to the nurses this morning. One three hundred triple two seven seven paying tribute to our nurses this morning. Uh, Susan Harding is the ED nurse unit manager at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Are you still encouraging people with chronic illnesses, Susan, to present to ED? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we are still providing a business as usual service and I think that uh, people, it's really important now more than ever that people um, under, who understand their own health illness, uh, that they act on the same principles that they normally wouldn't present when they feel that they need to. Excellent. Let's take some calls after this. David Astle. Dr. Eric Fitzgerald. How is a chicken related to a dinosaur? You might even do this uh, around the dinner table one day. <laughs> but if you remove the beak, the feathers, when we compare the skeleton of a chicken with a Tyrannosaurus rex, yes, vast difference in size, but the fundamental anatomy of a chicken is all there in Tyrannosaurus rex. David Astle. Monday to Thursday evenings from 7 on ABC Radio Melbourne. This is Libby Gore on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Susan Harding from the Royal Melbourne Hospital, the ED nurse unit manager, is with you and you, of course, the most important part of our program. You're here as well. Uh, let me just take our first call. We're going to go with Jane. Good morning, Jane. 
Hello, how are you? Very good, thank you. Gratefully? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your story? I'm um, currently in La Trobe Regional Hospital in Taralgon after a fall on the 24th of March. Mm. And the nursing staff, the cleaning staff, everybody have been fantastic. Oh, Jane, I'm so glad to hear that. I've been through three different wards in that time and I'm now in rehab. And the, the policies here are stricter. There's only two visitors for two hours a day. Um, but everybody's agreeing to it because we don't want the virus down here in the valley. And everyone's been not allowing the shadow of the virus to affect their day-to-day care of you? Nope, none of them. Where they've all, they get checked, temperature checked as they come into the hospital and anybody that's got a raised temperature gets turned away. Yep. Um, everybody is doing the hand sanitising, the masks, the whole works. And oh. if the care has been exemplary. There you go. Shout out to the nurses at the Latrobe Regional Hospital from Jane. Thank you, Jane. No worries, thank you. Good to hear Bye. from you. Jack, good morning to you. Hey, good day, Libby. How are you? I'm all right, thank you, but you've had a rough trot, mate. Yeah. Tell us yeah, the story. I've, um, I'm teary. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, my wife passed away on the 7th of March. Mm. Um, down to the Ballarat base mm. and um, in ICU and uh, with cancer and pneumonia. Mm. And we had to go through the, all the virus thing too, you know, gown up and mask up and glove up. and um, But the nurses down there were absolutely brilliant. They were so kind? Oh, you know, they helped us through a hell of a lot. You know, we were there for three or four days and, um, and you know, they, they just did everything for us. Cups of coffee, biscuits, whatever, whatever they could do for us. Yeah, they knew we were doing it hard, so um, yeah, they were just brilliant. That's brilliant. Isn't that, isn't that just, doesn't that just focus on what important jobs are? Oh, exactly right. Um, you know, they were in tears and, 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 and we had a cuddle in the end and, and, you know, I bought them some chocolates and they couldn't believe that. They mm. said, you know, you, your wife's passing away and you're thinking of us. And I said, well, you're here helping us. Mm. So, you know, a couple of chocolates won't go astray. Mm. But they're all gone by the time I left. I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I think the cherry ripes were left. But, oh, goodness. Yeah. Lucky but, you. you know, yeah, but I just I couldn't thank them enough. You know? Well, thank you, Jack, for telling the story. And shout Ballarat. out, which which hospital again, the Horsham? Yeah, Bell, Ballarat Base. Ballarat Base. Yeah. Shout out to the nurses in ICU at the Ballarat Base. Yeah. Jack, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's hard. Susan, That that's a hard situation, don't you? I mean, obviously you're faced with that. Obviously you're faced with that every day, Susan, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it does tell a really important story that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are when you come in. We want you to feel like you are our number one priority for every presentation. Yep. Uh, I think that people don't want to feel like they're on a production line. They certainly want to feel like they're getting best the best care possible and that it is all about them in that particular moment because that's exactly how it should be and this virus shouldn't take that away from people. Yeah, that's the the fear, isn't it, that you present with your other stuff and the virus over, overshadows everything. Yeah. And yet... We, um, we're in... Sorry. We're in the process of, of looking at, at developing a parallel uh, emergency department, so a, a normal emergency department and a respiratory emergency department right. so that we can ensure that the business-as-usual stuff isn't impacted by this. Great. Here's Bruce from Gippsland. He wants to have a chat. Morning, Bruce. Yes, good morning, uh, Libby. Good morning, Susan. 
Um, look, um, I'm waiting to hear from the Royal Melbourne in regard to having my pacemaker, to having my pacemaker removed. Um, I saw the specialist some uh, about uh, 12 weeks ago. He said there was a delay of about four, eight weeks on it. Sorry. Um, I'm wondering, Dick, can you tell me what's going on? I, as I haven't heard anything at all. Um, I've got to have it removed to have an MRI compatible one put in so that I can have um, the um, deep deep uh, stimulation to the brain. Mm. Sounds very complicated but very useful, I have to say, Bruce. <laughs> yes. So the question, I guess, is, Susan, are those sorts of surgeries still happening at the moment? So there's still, you know, there's still an obligation from an organisational perspective not to put any other business on hold. So it is on a case-by-case basis, as it should be. Um, I'm sure if Bruce was to contact the general number of the hospital that he's called would be able to be directed to somebody that could ask questions specific to him. I know a lot of the outpatients clinics now are trying to reduce numbers but not um, not uh, reduce uh, service. So they're doing a lot of virtual clinics um, ensuring that they can uh, still provide care that they need. I'm sure if Bruce was to contact somebody on Monday, his call would be directed to the most appropriate person. So at least he's got some clarity around what it is he's supposed to be doing because the last thing you wanted to do is think that you've been forgotten in all of this and, and I can absolutely um, attest to the fact that across the organisation we still really are working hard to make sure that people don't think that it's all about the virus. Yeah, um, life goes people, on. Absolutely. And we shall keep it going on. Aaron, good morning to you, Aaron. Good morning, Libby. How are you this fine morning? Well, I'm wondering whether you call yourself Aaron or Aaron. Aaron. Oh, Aaron, isn't that interesting? Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Aaron. It's a, oh, it's just Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Aaron. It's a, oh, it's a Scottish way, you see. Oh. It's the way they say it. Aaron, got it. Mm, mm, mm. Not like the Hebrews who were Aaron and Esau. Correct. Yeah. Correct. No, it's the old, old school Scottish way. <laughs> I had no idea that God's <laughs> first two, you know, grandchildren were Scots. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> Tell Correct. me your story. I would like to ring up and pay tribute to the amazing women because ultimately they are going to be mostly women because back then, 40 years, 40 plus years ago, they were mm-hmm. the nurses that are being called back in. Uh-huh. Um, and specifically, my mother, who'd been a nurse for more than 40 years, yeah. um, having done night shifts and looking after, night shifts while she was looking after us as kids, aged care, palliative care, bad backs. I reckon she'd gone through enough, but uh, found out last week that she was actually going to re-up. She's going to go back I'm in. Calling it, I'm calling it re-upping like the Marines oh. being called back in. Hardcore is what I'm thinking. Susan, this is good. Are you finding that the uh, people who are going back in, the retirees who are coming back in to help, have got a, a resilience and a go that is really inspiring to everyone? Uh, everybody is so resilient in this current climate. I think that uh, working together and, and people that... I've got nurses that left to go overseas and they're contacting me even though they can't come back. Um, they're just, you know, giving a shout-out to say, hey, we've been thinking about you, hope everybody's okay. All of our retired staff are doing the same. I think once you, you have... A, uh, a medical family, you don't ever move on from that. And I think people work for the greater majority of their life and you spend a lot of time and sometimes more time at work than you do at home. So I think, that, you know, to, to walk away from a, a life 
uh, life career in nursing and to think that, you know, it stops there, it absolutely doesn't. Yeah, there's an adrenaline to it, isn't there, as well? There's an adrenaline and a sense of purpose that makes it very satisfying, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I think that... Um, you know, once a nurse, always a nurse. Mm. Uh, and that's why it's really important to find a role for, for these nurses that are putting their hand up and saying we can, we can come back. And, and if from a safety perspective, that is not on the front line, there will be something that will be absolutely uh, beneficial to the organisation that we would, you know, love to get them involved in. Marie's next. Hi, Marie. Hi, Libby. Hi, Susan. Um, I had um, an experience about seven or eight years ago um, with the Austin Hospital in Heidelberg. Yeah. Um, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumour and um, the nurses there were just um, absolutely amazing. Um, I have a daughter, Madeline, who was in her graduate year around that time. Um, and again, a most compassionate, uh, kind, thoughtful nurse. Um, and she was able to um, help me nurse my husband um, and he was able to pass away at home. But the nurses at the Austin were just um, unbelievable, incredible people, incredible people, compassionate human beings, angels. Just makes it... just. Just, just makes it a little bit easier. I was just, yeah, I was just trying to think of it. Just like the, it just comforts the bridge. It does. It really does. Um, they were just... Yeah, they were funny. Um, you know, we had times when we laughed and... Yeah, in, in those sort of tragic um, circumstances, to be able to sort of have a bit of a laugh, um, it's important. Yeah. Um, but they were just so understanding, so wonderful, wonderful people. We're so blessed to have them. That's an, an amazing skill, Susan, the empathy as well as the efficiency, the functionality. Is that something one can develop or you have to have it? Uh, I, yeah, that's a, a difficult question. We, we always say when we're uh, recruiting that... You know, if you can give me nothing else when you come to work, look after every patient, like every patient, like they are one of your own. And I think you'll you'll be a fabulous nurse. I think that that's a really important message. If you can think this could potentially be my mother or my father or my nana or my sister, if you do that and you keep that as your underlying principles, you know, everybody wants to be treated with respect and everybody wants to be treated with dignity and particularly towards the end, people will walk away from from a pace, patient's passing and, and they will be impacted forever by the kindness they were shown when they come to the hospital. And whether that, that death is, you know, following a long-term death or it's a sudden death, there is still there is still a shock involved um, and we are the, the last people that they interact with at that time. So I think what we do in that situation is really important because people will walk away and it will affect the way they grieve mm. uh, and their ability to move on. Well, I just, I think we have been inundated with calls, Susan Harding, of people that want to say thank you and pay tribute and tell their story. Unfortunately, it's 10.35 and we can't because we have some other amazing people to talk to this morning. So I'd like to thank you, Susan. I would like to thank all of our callers and I do apologise to those of you who I can't put to air, Ray, Regina, Sharon, Remy, um, Bron, I, I'm, I do apologise to you. And for all the text messages that are asking for acknowledgement for the maternal and child health nurses, for the psychiatric nurses, for the, um, I, I, I can't begin to tell you how this has touched a 
pulled at the heartstrings of Victoria this morning. So, Susan, thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to come in and talk with us. Thanks, Libby. Take care. Coming up, 